Hello, and welcome to another episode of the My Hunting Journal podcast. I'm your host, John, and in this podcast we talk about hunting, shooting, and the great outdoors. If you listened to last week's episode of the podcast, you already know what this episode is going to be about. Last week's episode was about challenges that new hunters face. And specifically in last week's episode, we covered some of the hurdles to entering into the area of being a new hunter. Um, By that, I mean the barriers of entry to hunting. The things you need to know, the gear you need to have, and the legal requirements that you need to check before you actually get out in the field and harvest your first animal. Now, in my experience, among these issues and these hurdles, the biggest one to a lot of people is what to do with an animal once it's on the ground. I want to use today's episode as a way to encourage you that it's really not as challenging as you might think. It's not as daunting as a lot of people make it out to be. And when you talk to other people about it and they tell you that it's disgusting or they tell you that it is a challenging task, I don't want you to be uh, discouraged by that because it's really not that bad. Now, if you were the type of kid who in high school biology class, the day came to dissect a frog and you were screaming in the back corner of the classroom, this is going to be a challenging thing for you. And I understand that and I want to reinforce in your mind that it's not necessarily the favorite of anybody that I know. Of all the hunters who I can think of, nobody's favorite part of the activity is field dressing an animal. However, it is something that needs to get done, and it needs to get done relatively quickly, but there are a few things that will make it go more smoothly, and there are a few things that will help you along as you field dress your animal. So, If you listened to last week's episode, you know that one of the steps to getting into hunting is to take a hunter safety class. And in your hunter safety class, you probably learned a little bit about what it takes to field dress an animal. And so that's a good starting place to build onto. And in hunter safety class, you might learn a little bit about uh, shot placement and finding and tracking your animal after you've shot it as well. Um, contrary to what a lot of new hunters or non-hunters think, it's not very common to shoot an animal and have them drop right where they're standing. Generally, they do run um, at least a little bit. Uh, in, in my experience, and based on my knowledge, that tends to be anywhere from about 10 to 100 yards, depending on that animal's tenacity to life and their uh, desire to fight. And so each animal is individual. If you make a really good shot, and that animal runs for 100 yards, don't be discouraged by that. But it is important for you to track that animal, to follow the blood, and to find that animal relatively quickly so that you can open them up, get the guts out, and let the meat begin to cool so that you can uh, not spoil any meat. So the first step to field dressing an animal is to find that animal quickly and begin this process as quickly as possible. If you have to wait any more than, I would say, in in most weather situations, 
uh, during hunting season, if you have to wait any more than a couple of hours, there's a chance that you're going to start losing meat because the meat is going to spoil in the warmth of the inside of that animal. And if their guts were punctured at all and they begin to leak, it's going to become a lot more challenging to clean the meat out and to not have any, uh, any meat go bad that way. And so it's pretty important to find your animal quickly and to get this process done as quickly as possible. It's also important to make a good shot on the animal. Study an animal's anatomy and learn where the vitals are and learn how to hit the vitals without hitting the guts. That's going to be one of the things that really helps to ensure that this process goes as quickly and as cleanly as possible. Now again, some of you out there are going to be pretty squeamish and afraid of the task of field dressing your animal, but this can be overcome by the adrenaline that you have when you harvest an animal. For those of you who have not successfully taken an animal yet, I can tell you from first-hand experience that the adrenaline that you will get when you pull the trigger, you know you made a good hit, is going to be coursing through your veins, and that adrenaline is going to really help you power through the 10 or 15 minutes that it takes you to field dress an animal. And in reality, it really, it really can be as fast as 10 or 15 minutes. And so the reality of it is you can do anything for 10 or 15 minutes. You can make yourself do it as uncomfortable as it might be or as dirty as it might be. You can make yourself push through for 10 or 15 minutes and get all of the guts out of that animal, have it totally done, and then all you need to do is drag it back to your car, take it home, and hose it out. Now, when it comes to the actual process of field dressing an animal, we're going to be getting into that in just a second here. And if you are somebody who's really squeamish and you don't like hearing these details, I would encourage you to try to listen because it will be beneficial when you're out in the field for the first time needing to do this. But if you want to turn the podcast off at this point, I totally understand. And I would encourage you to come back and check us out next week when I release a new episode of my hunting journal. But for those of you who are going to listen along, the process really begins like this. The animal's down on the ground, and at this point, if you are hunting out west where there is a chance that you will have a grizzly bear encounter, do not set your weapon in your backpack too far away from the carcass. Keep it close by. Keep the rifle leaned up against the animal's carcass if you can. But as you walk up to the animal for the first time, once you find your downed animal, what you want to do is take a stick, or if you have a shooting stick or a trekking pole, or really anything besides the barrel of your rifle, and you don't want to use that for a couple of specific reasons, but you want to take something and poke the animal's eye. The reason you want to poke the animal in the eye is because that's one of the reflexes that the animal cannot help. And so if they are still alive, they're going to blink at the very least. But while you're doing this, be prepared. Things might get western on you. And so that's why you don't want to use the barrel of your rifle to poke the animal. I see people do that all the time. And if by chance the animal was still alive and the animal was able to knock the weapon out of their hands, they could find themselves in a really dicey situation that you don't want to be in. So that's not the recommended way to do this. You want to poke the animal in the eye, confirm that it's not blinking so that you know that that animal is for sure 100% dead. And then once you've confirmed that the animal's dead, you want to consider your topography around you. If the animal's laying on a slight hill, or if there's a slight hill nearby, the easiest way to field dress an animal is going to be 
to lay the head on the uphill side of a small incline. You don't want it to be so steep that you can't navigate around the animal comfortably, but you do want at least a little bit of grade to help uh, let gravity do some of the work for you of getting the organs out of this animal. Now, what you're going to do next is going to be uh, to begin making the cuts necessary to field dress the animal. This is where a lot of people are going to get uncomfortable, and that's understandable. But these, this is one of the things that not a lot of hunters talk about, and it really should be talked about. I believe it should be talked about for a number of reasons, but namely, everybody that I've met does this a little bit differently. And what I've found is taking a little bit of the way that everybody does it, what works for some people, and figuring out what works for me, take a little bit of what uh, of somebody else's methods and applying it to my own method, and just kind of slightly shifting things until I have that process really perfected. So the first thing that you want to do when it comes to actually making cuts on the animal is to core out the anus. Basically you're going to puncture the skin all the way around the butt of this animal and you want to be really careful not to actually cut the intestines but just to separate the butt from the rest of the skin back there. And once you have that separated some people like to pull it out and tie it off to make sure that none of the poop is going to get out of the butt. However, I find this to be an unnecessary step. Generally, things are moving down towards that end of the animal anyways, and so generally if anything's going to fall out, it's outside of the animal. And if anything falls out inside the animal, you can rinse it out once you're done with the process, and it's really not that big of a deal. So once you have the butt freed up, the next step that you need to do is make a cut that goes from the butt all the way up the center of the stomach, being careful not to puncture the guts, all the way up to the breastbone. Or some people like to start at the breastbone and go all the way down. And again, just be careful not to puncture the guts. You're only separating that top layer of skin, just enough to open things up and see the inside. And you'll notice that most of the guts are in one big sack, and they'll be starting to um, expand and swell just a little bit and so they'll be pushing up against you while you're cutting so the general uh, rule that a lot of people like to use is to stick two fingers in to separate the skin as you go and stick your knife blade in between your two fingers with the bladed edge up and cut up away from the guts to make sure you're not going to puncture them and use your fingers to kind of separate the skin and to push the guts down out of the way of your knife. So that's going to be the next cut that you need to make. Once that cut is made, if you have cut all the way up to the neck, you want to split the rib cage open so that you can see what you're dealing with. And if you've decided that you're not going to shoulder mount this animal, or I mean if you've decided you are going to shoulder mount this animal, then you're gonna to need to wind up reaching up inside of the rib cage rather than splitting it. And that's gonna be a little bit tougher because you can't really see what you're doing, but it's understandable if this is your first year that you wanna uh, preserve it through taxidermy. And so making your taxidermist's life easier here is gonna be valuable. Now, here in the next couple of steps, there are, like I said, a number of different ways that people will go about this. And the truth is there's really no wrong way. Even if you do accidentally puncture some of the guts, you're gonna have a little bit worse smell and you're gonna have some stomach acid in the cavity, but 
the reality is as long as you're not days away from getting that deer back to your house and getting it hosed out, you're probably going to be okay. So what you should do this next step is just take a breath, know that you can do this, and reach up inside the animal and find the, where the airway is inside the neck. Alright, once you have the airway in your hand, that big ribbed tube that you're going to feel is actually called the trachea. And that, that big tube is going to act as your handle as you get the rest of the insides of this animal out of the animal. So uh, you'll, what you're going to do is reach up as high as you can and try to cut it as high up as you can, as close to the throat as you can. And you'll be able to now use this to start pulling things uh, down and out and as you do you'll feel some resistance around the diaphragm and there's uh, muscles and uh, tendons that attach all of the lungs in the organs to the body cavity of the animal and you'll need to separate some of those. I find it easiest to hold my knife in one hand and with the other hand kind of hold the the guts and the lungs down as far as I can towards the butt and reach around and just sl make slow and precise cuts, uh, almost as if I was skinning the animal, to just slowly cut that tissue, loosen everything up, and when you loosen things up, you'll feel it. All right, once you're at this point, a good thing to do, in my opinion, is to take out a chunk of the pelvis. For this, you're gonna wanna have a bone saw with you, or I've seen people do it with one of the little saw blades on a like Leatherman multi-tool, but I really like having a bone saw or um, a bear saw works really, really well. It's basically a thin bladed uh, pull saw, takes up very little space and uh, is very light, so it doesn't provide a lot of weight for you to need to carry around. But it's a great tool to have with you, and you can saw both sides of the pelvis when you find the ridge right in the center of the pelvis you're just going to make a cut on either side of that and you're going to take out a chunk out of the middle and that's going to open up a channel for everything else to come out through so through and at this point you can really just put your hand in there and scoop everything down and if you have a, a slight incline that's where that really becomes handy because gravity will really just help take all of the insides and just bring them down out of the animal and at this point you're just about finished Really, it shouldn't be that tough. You might find that the animal had a little bit of poop left in its system, and that might have made its way inside of the body cavity. Or maybe you did puncture a gut, or maybe you did gut shot the animal. And at that point, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do about it out in the field. But all I would say is get that animal back to your house, or back to your camp, or wherever you can get to, and rinse it out with some water as quickly as possible. And once you have that animal opened up like that, that's really all you need to do to take that animal to a processor. At this point, any processor in the country would be glad to take your animal. They'll skin it for you. They'll prepare the meat for you. But I would also say that uh, the experience of processing the animal on your own is a great experience to have. And just like with field dressing, there's no real wrong way to do it. And so there, you shouldn't be too intimidated by uh, making the right cuts in the perfect places. That's not something you should need to worry about at this point. Um, I would also encourage you, if you are taking it to a processor, to uh, be ready for what the processor is going to need from you. They're going to ask for your tag, which you should have already filled out by this point, 
that should, should have been step one is to uh, fill the tag out once the animal's on the ground. But um, the, the processor's going to need your tag filled out, and they're going to ask you what kind of cuts you want from your meat. Now, the first time I took an animal to a processor, I wasn't expecting this, and so this kind of caught me by surprise. Uh, if I were you, I would go online and just look up deer processing order form. Not because you should print off that form and use that to uh, give to your processor, but just so that you know what they're going to ask you. They're going to ask you which steaks you want, which roasts you want, how much ground you want, how much sausage or jerky you want. And uh, I would encourage you to try different, different ways of having your deer processed. Try getting some sausage, try getting some jerky, and see what you like and see what you don't like. And that'll really make uh, your decisions in the future that much better so that you can capitalize the most on the meat that you and your family want and will use. And you'll get that much more out of the hunting experience because you'll be able to get that much more use out of the meat that you obtain. So at this point, you have successfully harvested your first year, you have successfully field dressed it, and you have successfully taken it to a processor. At this point, the only thing left to do is to wait until the processor's done and to go and pick up your meat. This should be really, really exciting, and I hope that this podcast served to encourage you guys that it's not as tough as a lot of people make it out to be to get into hunting. It's really not that tough. Um, there are a lot of challenges to it, and the challenges really are what make it fun. So I don't want to make it sound like every time you go out in the woods, you're going to harvest a deer. That's not the case. But that's not what it's about. Successful hunting is going out into the great outdoors, experiencing God's creation, and enjoying the public land that we have is, uh, is citizens of wherever you live. If you are like me and you live in Montana, you have a lot of great public land to enjoy. Alrighty, folks. Well, that just about does it for what to do with a deer down. Once you have a deer on the ground, that's about what you need to know to be able to take care of that. To close this episode out, I just wanted to share a couple pieces of feedback that I got from the last episode. Uh, this feedback was kind of interesting to me, and you'll see why in a minute. The first piece of feedback was a friend of mine who came up to me and said, Hey man, I, uh, I can't believe that you would recommend any new hunter get a 6.5 caliber. Isn't that a little light? Don't you think new hunters should at least start out with a 270? And I was like, you know, maybe you're right. Yeah, 270 is kind of nice, but I think that there's a lot of merit for a 6.5. Like I said, I hunt with a 6.5 Creedmoor. I really love my 6.5 Creedmoor for a lot of reasons, and I think that it's a really effective round. This was kind of ironic when I got my second piece of feedback from the last episode, which was somebody coming up to me and saying, hey, uh, John, I listened to your podcast, and why did you put such a heavy warning on those 6.5s? They're a fantastic round. They are really good at doing what you need to do with minimal recoil and with relatively cheap ammo costs, and they just do what they need to do. They just work. And so I share this feedback with you to kind of demonstrate the reason that I put that caveat on uh, the 6.5 millimeters in the last episode is because there is a lot of differing opinions out there. Everybody you talk to is going to have a different definition of what a suitable caliber is. And so you just take it with a grain of salt. If you already have a 6.5 millimeter, don't feel like you need to go out and buy an another caliber just because somebody else tells you to. You really don't. They, they work for 
deer and elk hunting as long as you use them within their boundaries. And for those 6.5s, those boundaries really aren't that restricting. You might be limited to shots past 300 yards, but most new hunters shouldn't be shooting that far anyways. And you might be a little bit more limited with some of the quartering shots, but really, in most situations, it's good practice to wait for a good broadside shot anyways. So don't be discouraged if you do hunt with a 6.5 millimeter. They are a great caliber to use. They're soft recoiling. There's a lot of great reasons to have one. And if you're one of those people who thinks that 6.5 millimeters don't hold their own in the hunting world, well, just be a little bit more open-minded. Just, uh, you know, don't be pushing people out of the hunting sport because of the caliber that they choose. Everybody has their own way of doing things. And as long as it works, there's really no reason to be upset about it. So that's all I have for you guys this week. Tune back in next week for another episode of My Hunting Journal. Don't forget to uh, rate and review the show. And if you like this style of podcast, share it with some of your friends. Also, I really enjoy getting listener feedback. So shoot me an email at myhuntingjournalpodcast at gmail.com. Or check me out on Instagram and send me a message there. My Instagram is my underscore hunting underscore journal. Thanks. We'll see you guys next week.